Winter Storm Harper could not put a damper here in Toledo. And what a weekend it was as the ECHL shines on the bright stage. And the city of Toledo is represented very well. As the 2019 ECHL All-Star Weekend took place. You'll hear my take on the whole weekend. The Jackets are on a 10-game break. And we will reflect on what we've learned so far. While we have the matchup in the NFL. A rematch. To... Take us back to 2002, as Anne Marie would say. BG is looking for a new defensive coordinator. And welcome, class of 2019, the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's going to be a brisk, cold week. We had over seven inches of snow here in the city of Toledo. But I'm going to be dropping some sports knowledge tonight because this is All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. 24 runs in the span. We're going to get shut out. Gambino! Hit to a home run. Get me. Choo-choo, it's time for All Andy Alfred. And I love you guys. And welcome into this edition of All Andy Alfred right here on this, the 22nd of January. 2019 I am your host that is best not with tuna and toast the one and only Andy Elf for coming to you from the man cave studios here in Toledo Ohio welcome into all Andy Alford tonight and welcome in to the show yes we are back in on the air tonight of course rocking it out of course and you are listening to me we have the plethora of platforms thanks to the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes with Apple, whether it be Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Now, Spotify, however you're listening to me today and tonight, wherever you're listening to me today, tonight, and whenever, and however you listen to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And first and foremost, before we begin the show tonight, I want to make mention of this. I want to thank you, the fans. The past few weeks have been absolutely fantastic in the ratings, and I am truly blessed. And let's keep it going. Definitely, if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, hit the subscribe button. And we'll and pass the show on to friends and family that loves to talk about sports, as well as talking about the local sports scene as well. Pass it along. This is a great time. You could always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred. It is at all Andy Alfred. And if you want to be a part of the show, remember to use the hashtag AAA Live. So welcome into this edition of All Andy Alfred. Got a lot to get into tonight. Of course, we're gonna talk a little bit about the college foot, college basketball, and how BG has been going on with their big win against Western Michigan. We'll recap that, as well as the woes that are happening now at BG with the football program. We'll discuss that as well. Also, we'll talk a little bit about and recap the Jackets so far uh, as they hit the mandatory five-day break, and now that leads us into the NHL All-Star Weekend 
We'll talk about that as well. But first, before we begin the NHL All-Star break, we had the ECHL All-Star game happening here in Toledo, Ohio. If you don't know what the ECHL is, it is a Division Two, um, not Division Two, but a Double A hockey league that was based out of the East Coast League from Hampton Roads and a few other teams that formed the division, and now it has exploded all over the United States. It's the premier Double A hockey league, and it is backed by the NHL with teams in Fort Wayne, uh, Cincinnati, Evansville, Newfoundland as well as in Idaho and in Allen, Texas. A few teams to be exact. And of course, we have a team here in the city of Toledo. That is the Toledo Walleye. And they are the AA affiliate of the Detroit Red Wings. Well, this year, the ACHL has made the trek into Toledo, Ohio. And, you know, the Walleye did a fantastic job. An absolutely fantastic job. And I'll get to what I have, my feelings on the whole walleye and all-star game experience. You might as well just get into it right now, folks. Friday night kicked it all off with the Fanatics party happening at Hensville Park. It was just for season ticket holders. However, there were a couple events that people could actually take a look at, and one of them was the Toledo Hockey Heritage section. And, you know, great pieces to look at. A lot of walleye jerseys. A lot of bobbleheads, some of the old Merc- uh, Mercury and and Hornets and and uh, Storm jerseys as well. And Gold Digger jerseys were there, of course. Um, great to see. Great to see. Uh, the Wally did a fantastic job with that, with the display and everything like that. And you know, it was it was great. Absolutely great. They had like a bubble hockey tournament, of course. They also had uh, minor. They had a uh, like kids games. Kid hockey games happening at Huntington Center and all throughout the Northwest Ohio area for their Walleye Winterfest tournament that was happening during the weekend of Martin Luther King. Um, yeah, it was it was fantastic to see, absolutely fantastic to see. But um, I do have a couple notes I like to pass. And overall, the overall experience for the whole weekend. For me, it was a B plus. However, the weather hurt the All Star experience with the with Winter Storm Harper hitting the Northwest Ohio area very very hard Saturday into Sunday, dropping eight to twelve inches of snow in some locations, including in downtown Toledo. You know, it was just. An absolutely miserable day, and Saturday they canceled the brew fest that was happening at Fifth Third Field. Now that's going to be taking place on March the 9th. March the 9th, mark that down in your calendars if you're going to that. Um, but they had the the fan fest kicked officially off to the general public on Saturday with uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame pieces, of course, and the Stanley Cup being there as well. They moved everything from outdoors to indoors, which I give the walleye credit on that part. For doing that. But. Here's the situation. We've known about the All-Star Game. For the last two years. Was there not any consideration. Any not consideration. To having the All-Star festivities. Done at Seagate Center. Now I know we had the the banquet. And I'll get to Sunday's banquet. That took place at Seagate Center. But the thing is. 
if you know that you're going to have this big event, why put it in small spaces like at the top of Holy Toledo Tavern? Why have it at the top of, uh, of the Armory? Why have it at the top of Hensville? You know, in 2015, the NHL came to Columbus, Ohio for the NHL All-Star Game. They used the Columbus Convention Center for the ACHL Fan Fest. It was fantastic. And I was using that platform to the, the walleye platform. Because, you know, the NHL is the top tier. And I know that they're, you know, top tier quality things. But everybody figures that the walleye is top tier as well, too. They do a fantastic job with promotions. They do a fantastic job with everything else. But this one, I think that they, they really lacked of. They should have used the you should have used the Seagate Center for this event. Now I do see I did notice that they did have a cheer event that took place that weekend. But we like I said, they knew that the All Star Game was taking place two years ahead of time. They could have rented the space out. They could have had the space rented out and ready to go. But they didn't. They turned it. They they used their facilities. And their ideas. And to me, when I was listening to some of the people on Twitter as well as on Facebook, because I couldn't even get a chance to go until Monday. And I'll get to Monday in just a second. Everything was cramped. It was, you know, a lot of lot of rushing through things. And when the NHL, when the NHL did it, they had everything opened up. It was all open to the public. You had opportunities to meet with the players. You had opportunities to, to, to see the trophies, to be with the Stanley Cup for the long, for for at least five minutes. Last uh, at the for the walleye, it was a quick photo op, and you're gone. You got to actually take a look at the cup, talk talk to the people that run it, and that's it. That's absolutely it. Never got the opportunity with the walleye. They rush you through like a quick photo op. Like when you go to a concert and they have a quick meet and greet with somebody, they rush you through. And that's what I was told by two good people that went to the event. You get to Saturday. Of course, like I said, the brew fest was canceled. And you had the big snowstorm that took place. So with the events. And here's the thing, too. The NHL All-Star Fest started at 10 o'clock in the morning. And it goes till like 9 o'clock at night. Why does it have to end at 6 o'clock in Toledo, Ohio for the ECHL All-Star Game? It should go from 10 to 9, like always. And then you get to Sunday. Sunday was the fanta- was fantastic. The luncheon was absolutely fantastic. Seeing Alex Hicks, Rick Judson, uh, McKenna going into the ECHL Hall of Fame. And then you get to see Micah Ruzioni the former Golden Goal, golden Boy himself, as well as Chris McSorley, seeing Mark Deasley back on, back there, and Greg Pulowski as well, getting inducted into the Toledo Hockey Hall of Fame. Over 1,200 people in attendance for the Hall of Fame luncheon, and that was for also the luncheon as well as general admission seating for that, and Toledo came out in strong droves for that, and I am very, very very happy with that that and that's like one of the marquee events to go see during the ECHL All-Star weekend and it was fantastic it was absolutely fantastic and 
hearing the hearing the speeches and hearing the introductions and everything like that was it was great. It's great to see. Then you had the walleye game against Fort Wayne. And it was a tremendous game. They got the job done. They played Saturday night in Kalamazoo. Lose to Kalamazoo in a shootout. And I'm not going to get into the games for this week against the, for the walleye that are last week that were important. You get the Sunday's game against Fort Wayne. They get the job done in a shootout, which sets up Monday. But like I said... On Sunday, but going back a little bit, on Sunday, the ECHL Fan Fest went till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. To 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday when no kids have school. If you're not, if the walleye game is sold out and you want to go to Hensville to watch the game, why not try to promote and keep the, keep the uh, all-star festivities open? You know, a lot of people wanted the chance to see the cup. A lot of people wanted the chance to see the Hall of Fame trophies. And you didn't you didn't do that. And it that's that's so it went from being an A for me it went from being A plus to start on a Friday to an A A minus. And now now you get to Monday. On the website for the Toledo Walleye and the All-Star Game, Monday they had a uh, they had the continuation of the Toledo Hockey Heritage thing, items to take a look at. And I wanted to go look at it one last time before they closed up. Uh, it said it went till 11 o'clock. I show up at 4 o'clock on Monday and the doors are locked. The restaurant's open. Sure enough, the restaurant's open, but you can't go look at the new go look at the stuff because the event is closed. I said, "All right, well, let me go over to Hent, uh, over to Fleetwoods and go upstairs to the Armory, and I could go take." A- they can't do that. Can't do that. So I had to walk a block and a half to the arena to watch the All-Star game. And it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. If you follow me on Facebook, I, I taped a lot of the games, wrote in the stories. It's still available on my Facebook page. I'll, I'll, make a, I'll send a link out on our Twitter account to take a look at it. A fantastic crowd on hand, sellout crowd of 7,700. 36 in attendance for the game on Monday night. And it was a interesting game, to say the least, with it being a different style of hockey than we usually see on the daily appearance. So the interesting thing with it is that the ECHL did it a different way than the typical way of doing things. They did it via like a, the rally scoring system. There were six games in the first round. Six games in the first round. And it was divided by four teams. Team Hooks and Team Fins. Team Fins captained by A.J. Jenks. Team Hooks captained by Shane Birchback. And the teams were divided. The walleye was divided up into those two teams. And they play the representatives from the Eastern Conference. And they play from... Teams that, that sent their best players 
from the Western Conference. Now, it was fantastic to see some of the top-tier guys across the league. Some some guys you don't get the chance to see in Toledo because Toledo doesn't book good teams to come into the arena. Like, we get to see the new Newfoundland team. We got to see uh, representatives from from Adirondack, from, from Redding, uh, from South Carolina, Orlando, Florida. Got, these guys are guys that we're going to be seeing if we get into the Kelly Cup Finals, in the Kelly Cup Playoffs. That Toledo is playing the typical Tulsa's, Fort Wayne's, Kalamazoo's, because they're division games. But if you play outside of your conference... You get the chance to see these guys more and more. Like Greenville sent from the Greenville Swamp Rabbits sent John May, who is the top farm guy for the New York Rangers and a top prospect. You don't get that opportunity that often. But it was six games, and three. And in between the games, they had the skills competition: hardest shot, fastest skater, and accurate shot. Hardest shot and fastest seed got one goal. Accurate shot got three goals. And all the goals add up to your total, which recedes you once the semifinals begins. And game one saw Team Hooks battling the Eastern Conference. Hooks gets game one by a score of two to one. Cox burst back and register for the Hooks. Cox from the Eastern Conference scores. Uh, in game two, the West dominated Hodgman from the Fort Wayne Comets, bearing two goals in the game. A.J. Jenks, the only score for the Finns, as the Team Finns goes down in game one, three to one. So the West had three goals, Hooks had two, East had one, Finns had one. Game three saw Team Hooks battle the Western Conference, and the West again dominating the game by a score of three to one. Birdoff, Goldoff, and Van Warmer for the Western Conference. Levens for the Walleye Team Hooks, the only goal scorers. So the West had six goals. Team Hooks had three goals. And then Game 4 saw the Finns take on the Eastern Conference. And Team Finns gets to win 3-2. to two. Moore, O'Connor, and Jenks, Cox, and Pecan scoring for the East. So the Finns had four goals. The East had three goals. The West had six goals, and the Hooks had three goals. Which set up Game 5, the East versus the West, and the East dominated that game by the former Bowling Green State University Falcon himself, Dejan Mingo, getting three getting goals. Also, Samaritek and Sermalta, Sermalta scoring for the East, and Icabellas scoring for the West, as the East won 3-1. to one. And then in Game 6, saw the two walleye teams battle together, and Team Finch just dominating over Team Hooks. Matt registered the only goal for Team Hooks. Team Finch with five goals for Moore, Jenks, O'Connor, Hensick, and Sadaway. Absolutely dominating. So after the first round-robin games... You had Team Finns, eight goals. Team Hooks, two, three, four goals. 
the West had five, four, seven, seven goals and led the domination. They got the number two seed. Finns was team was the number one seed with the most goals. So they were the first seed. The West was the second seed. The East was the third seed. And the fourth seed was Team Hooks. So one, it was a rematch of the second games. Team Hooks loses to Team Finns by a score of, ready for this, Hooks beats the Finns 7-3. And then you get to Game 8. It was the East and the West, and it was a setup. If the West wins, gets one more goal than the Eastern Conference, then the East gets eliminated in the Western Conference plays of the championship. They the West scores. The East scores a goal with less than a second to go. Ends in a tie. The Eastern Conference wins the accurate shooting contest from Bacan, who hit four hit six target hit the four targets out of six attempts. Fantastic job. Which set up the finale between Team Finns versus Team East. Game ends in a tie. Schmidt and Chuan scoring for Schmidt for Team Finn scoring one. And Chuan scoring one for Team East tying in at one. And the former Bowling Green State University standout, Dejan Mingo, gets the shootout winner. AJ Jenks blanked. In the shootout. And the Eastern Conference wins. The 2019 All-Star Classic. And it was, like I said, the All-Star game itself was tremendous. was absolutely tremendous. And, like I said, the weekend overall, barring the weather, was a B-. And again, I'll, I'll say it again. I'll say it again. The event should have been a long-gated event. The three days. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. But it's the ECHL. It's the ECHL. This is the double A. So overall, I give it a B. B plus on the weekend. A lot to improve on, but I don't think that... Um, that the ECHL is coming back for another all-star game. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But Toledo, Toledo's fans came out in support, and I am truly blessed and truly grateful to be a part of the fanship there. And, um, yeah. So with that, and with us now into the ECHL all-star break, let's take a look at the standings going into this week's play. In the ECHL. All teams will get back into action on Friday, the 25th of January, of course. And the standings look like this. In the Central Division, the Cincinnati Cyclones are 27-7-3 with 60 points. The Toledo Walleye are 24-10-3-2 with 53 points. Fort Wayne is in third place at 21-16-1-2 with 45 points. Indianapolis is 2018-2-1 with 43 points. Wheeling is 2018-2-0 with 42 points. Kalamazoo is 18-19-0-2. 
with 38 points in the Western Conference. In the Mountain Division, Idaho running away right now at 26-12, 1-2 with 55 points. Tulsa 23-13, 4-2 with 52 points. Utah is 23-12, 3-1 with 50 points. Wichita 17-17, 5-3 with 42 points. Kansas City is 19-16, 2-1 with 41 points. Rapid City 16-22, 2-3 with 37 points. And the Allen Americans are 13-27, 2-2 with 30 points. In the Eastern Conference, in the North Division, Newfoundland is in top with 27-11-2-0 with 56 points. Adirondack 22-13-3-2 with 49 points. It is the main, main in top with 21-17-0-1 with 43 points. Brampton 19-17-3-1 with 42 points. Reading is in fifth place at 17-14-3-5 with 42 points. Manchester 19-18-1-1 with 40 points. And the Worcester Railers are 17-17-3-2 with 39 points. In the South Division, it is the Florida Everglades with the best record in the in the ECHL at 28-8-5-0 with 61 points. Jacksonville 23-16, 1-1 with 48 points. South Carolina 22-17, 2-0-with 46 points. Orlando is 2017-3-0 with 43 points. Norfolk is 16-21-2-3 with 37 points. Greenville is 14-24-3-2 with 33 points. And Atlanta is 13-19-5-1 with 32 points. Games coming up this weekend. Of course, a big game happening at the Huntington Center this upcoming Friday night. As the Toledo Walleye take on the Cincinnati Cyclones, yours truly going to be at that game, of course. And I'm going to try to get a chance to chat with the golden voice himself, the one, the only, the mayor of Bowling Green, Ohio, Mr. Everett Fitzhugh, the broadcast broadcast master of the Cincinnati Cyclones, going to get a chance probably to talk with him on Friday. So we'll have that interview set up for you guys next week on All Andy Elford. And um, looking forward to chatting with Everett again and getting a chance to see him. But, of course, other than the Walleye and Cyclones game, which is a big game in the Central Division, it is going to be Adirondack at home to take on the Wooster Railers. Norfolk is in Greenville to take on the Swamp Rabbits. Wheeling at home to take on the Brampton Beast. Manchester is in Maine to take on the Mariners. The Rapid City Rush is in Kalamazoo to take on the K-Wings. Florida is at home to take on Jacksonville. In Indianapolis, it is the Indy Fuel taking on the Fort Wayne Comets. Allen Americans are in Tulsa to take on the Oilers. And the Utah Grizzlies will take on the Kansas City Mavericks on Friday. On Saturday night, it will see the main, main, main Mariners taking on the Manchester Monarchs. Florida is in Jacksonville. Redding is in Wheeling to take on the Nailers. Anirondack goes to Wooster. Rapid City comes into the Huntington Center. 7-15 puck drop to take on the Toledo Walleye. Brampton is at home to take on the Newfoundland Growlers. Kalamazoo heads into Indianapolis to take on the Fuel. Orlando is in Atlanta to take on the Gladiators. Wichita's in at home to take on the Idaho Steelheads. Allen is at Tulsa. And Utah is at Kansas City. Full slate of games at the Huntington Center this weekend, of course. Besides the walleye game, the walleye game against Cincinnati Friday, which is the premier game to go to this weekend. You have them playing Rapid City both Friday, Saturday as well as on Sunday. And the Sunday slate sees Brampton again hosting Newfoundland. Indy is in Kalamazoo. 
Worcester is in Manchester. Maine is at home to take on the Adirondack Thunder. South Carolina takes on Greenville. Fort Wayne is in Wheeling to take on the Nailers. Idaho is in Wichita. Allen is in Tulsa. And like I said, Rapid City taking on the Walleye. So a big slate of games in the ECHL this upcoming weekend. And we'll have that all recap for you next week on another edition of All Andy Elford. But you're listening to tonight's edition right here. On the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And of course, let's continue hitting the ice. The NHL and the Blue Jackets struggling as they get into the break this season. And I tell you, the Jackets continue to find a way losing. Two out of their last three games. When I last left you on Wednesday, they were battling on, excuse me, when I last left you on Wednesday, they were getting ready to, they played the New Jersey Devils Tuesday night and got the win 4-1 to one over the Devils. Atkinson, his 27th, Jenner, his 9th, Panarin, his 18th, and Pierre Luke Dubois, his 17th of the season. Coleman, his 17th for the Devils as the Jackets outshot the Devils 34-30. to They led in the, they, they lost in the faceoff department, New Jersey, with 58% to Columbus's 42%. Jackets 1 for 3 on the power play. New Jersey 0 for 2. Corpy was in net. He stopped 29 of 30 with a save percentage of a point nine six five. Kincaid for the Devils, stopping 30 of 34. His save percentage of a point eight eight two. So the Jackets getting their way there. Then we get into Friday. Jackets having playing a back-to-back Friday night and Saturday night games before they go into this all-star break. Now, the question was, for me, if I was Tortorella, who would I start for this game against Montreal? Because either one of them are going to start. Bob would either start against Montreal, and Corpy against Minnesota, or what really happened. And it was Corpusala starting for the Jackets continuing trying to ride the hot hand that Torella has with Corpusalo. And Thomas Tatar and Armenia lighting up the Jackets and Corpusalo. Tatar scoring twice in the game, Armelia scoring twice in the game as the Jackets lose to the Montreal Canadiens by a score. A four to one. Oliver Bjorkstrand was the only goal scorer for the Jackets in the game. His seventh of the season. They outshot Montreal thirty-five to twenty-six. The Jackets were fifty-four percent at the faceoff dot to Montreal's forty-six percent. Both teams over on the power play. Montreal over three. Columbus over two. Corpusella stopping twenty-two of twenty-five in the game. His save percentage of a point eight eight zero. Carey Price. Coming back from injury, getting the starting role in this game. Had a gem of game. Gave it up that goal against Bjorkstrand. But he was lights out most of the game as he stopped 34 of 35 of a save percentage of a point nine seven one. So, of course, the Jackets struggle. Final home game before, before the All-Star break. Final home game before... The big break, the five-day mandatory break that they have. And they go into Saturday into Minnesota on Hockey Day in Minnesota. 
I'm thinking to myself when I when I, so since Corby was starting, I knew Bob had to step up because this could possibly be the last game we see of Sergey Bobrovsky in a Columbus Blue Jacket uniform. It's all possibility with ten days of downtime. Kekalainen could be making a move. And it'd be cool of Bob to step up to the plate during this game against Minnesota. And he didn't. Two bad goals on Bob. Parise, his 20th. Greenway, his 9th. And the Jackets lose 2-1. to one. Panarin, his 19th of the season. Jackets were outshot in the game. 31 to 20. In the faceoff dot, the Jackets were beaten 66% to 34%. Columbus having that one power play goal from Artemi Panarin, he that was the only one goal on the power play and the only goal for the Jackets in the game. They were one for four. Minnesota was 0 for 4 in the power play. The Jackets were out hit by Minnesota 20 to 14. Bob stopping 29 of 31. His save percentage of .935. Devin Dubnik stopping a total of 19 of 20. His save percentage of .950. So the Jackets now take this five-day mandatory break, and then you add in the All-Star break that's happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Jackets don't get back into play until Tuesday. Now, here's my thought on us. We are... 18, 17, 3 with 59 points. Our goals for so far this year are 154. Our goals against is a 146. At home at Nationwide this season, we are 14, 9, and 2. On the road, we're 14, 8, and 1. In our last 10, we're 6, 4, and 0. We have lost two straight. Our differential is a plus. Eight. Our row is a 28. And our next game is not until the 29th against Buffalo. This year's Jacket team has been an interesting one. We can finally hit the hit the button to see how this team is looking this year. We can finally hit the button. And this team is interesting. Panarin is your leading scorer. That's plain and simple. But Atkinson is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Panarin has 53 points. He has 19 goals, 34 assists. Atkinson, the leading goal scorer, though, is Atkinson with 27 goals, 21 assists, 48 points. Dubois, 17 goals, 28 points. He's up 43 points. 
Warinsky, nine goals, 18 assists, 27. He's a minus 10. Jones, seven goals, 22 assists, 29 points. He's a plus one. Felino, Captain Felino, 12 goals, 11 assists, 23 points. He is a plus two. Anderson, 15 goals, 7 assists, 22 points. Ryan Murray, 1 goal, 21 assists, 22 points. He's a plus 13. Here is the kicker. Wenberg, 1 goal, 18 assists, 19 points. Ryan Murray has 1 goal. 21 points, 22, 22 points, 21 assists. My apologies. Dubitsky this year, struggling. A minus 9. 4 goals, 6 assists, 10 points, but he's a minus 9. Riley Nash coming in this year. He's 1 goal, 5 assists, 6 points. He's a minus 4. Selkie Cat, 2 goals, 2 assists, 4 points. Good to see. Now we get to the goaltending situation with Bob. Bob has started 34 games. He has, he has started 33 games. He has played 34. His record is a 19-14-0-1 with a, save, a goals against average of a 2.91. Save percentage is a .904. Corpusala has played 19 games. He has started 15 of them. Nine wins, three losses. He has... A goal against average of a 2.95. His save percentage is a .901. This team looks good. There's some struggling on the defensive side of the puck. What do we need? Well, we need to keep Panarin. And in my opinion, we need to keep Bob. I'd offer a four-year for both of them. Somebody said to me, they the artillery wants eight years for Panarin, a trade of Bob. Let's meet in the middle, boys. Let's meet in the middle. Four years. Let's look at about $60 million apiece. That's fifteen million instead of the one hundred and some odd million that Panarin wants. He wants one hundred and twenty-four million for eight years. That's not going to work. That is not going to work. So let's keep both of them. Four years, sixty million. That gives us enough room in the cap. Enough room in the cap to keep both Panarin and Bobrovsky. Let's make that happen. If it happens, you know, that'd be great. But I could be talking to you next week and saying that the Jackets have traded Panarin or Bob. It's plain and simple. But it's weird for me because we're now on this 10-day break. I'm on day three with the Blue Jackets hockey. 
I got my fix last night with the ECHL All-Star game. That will get me that will get me for the rest of the week, and I've got games happening this week, and we'll break down the games going forward. Or in action tonight as well as tomorrow night. But not to hear rumors voices interesting, to say the least. But yeah. Let's look at the NHL scoreboard standings. And let's look at the standings going into tonight's play. How about the New York Islanders? Winners of their last five games on a roll in first place in the Metropolitan Division with a record of 29-15-4 with 62 points. Columbus in second place. They are 28-17-3 with 59 points. Washington with one last win at 27-16-5 with 59 points. The Atlantic Division sees Tampa Bay in first place at 37-10-2 with 76 points. Toronto 29-17-2 with 60 points. Boston is 27-17-5 with 59 points. Wildcard standings looks like this. Montreal in first place with a record of 20, holding the first wildcard position, excuse me, at 27, 18, and 5 with 59 points. Pittsburgh is holding the second wildcard position at 26, 16, 6 with 58 points. On the outside looking in are the Buffalo Sabres at 24, 18, and 6 with 54 points. Carolina is 23, 20, and 5 with 51 points. The Rangers 21, 20, and 7 with 49 points. Florida is 20, 20, and 8 with 48 points. The Flyers are 19, 23, and 6 with 44 points. The New York New Jersey Devils, excuse me, are 18, 23, 7 with 43 points. Ottawa is 19, 25, and 5 with 43 points. And the Detroit Red Wings are in last place with a record of 18, 25, and 7. 43 points overall. Western Conference standings looks like this in the Central Division. It is the Winnipeg Jets in on top with a record of 31 15 and 2 with 64 points the national predators 29 18 and 4 with 62 points minnesota is 25 21 and 3 with 53 points in the pacific division the calgary flames are 32 13 and 5 with 79 points the second best team in the nhl san jose is 28 17 and 7 with 63 points vegas is 29 18 and 4 with 62 points wildcard standing looks like this the first wildcard position is owned by the dallas stars at 21 24 21 and 4 with 52 points colorado 22 19 and 8 with 52 points got a look good looking team there lucas i tell you that much and the outside looking in are the vancouver canucks at 23 21 and 6 with 52 points Anaheim is 21, 20, and 9 with 51 points. Edmonton is 23, 23, and 3 with 49 points. Arizona is 22, 22, and 4 with 48 points. St. Louis is 22, 21, 22, and 5 with 47 points. The LA Kings at 20, 26, and 4 with 44 points. And the Color and the Chicago Blackhawks are 17, 24, and 9 with 43 points. Games to look forward to into tonight's play, of course. As we're doing this show right before 7 o'clock here, San Jose is in Washington to take on the Capitals. Arizona is in Ottawa to take on the Senators. The New York Islanders are in Chicago to take on the the Chicago Blackhawks. NBCSN tonight at 9 o'clock sees the Detroit Red Wings taking on uh, Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Calgary is in 
at home to take on the Carolina Hurricanes. Tomorrow night, NBCSN, the Wednesday night rivalry game, sees the Washington Capitals head into Toronto to see Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs. It will also be Arizona is in Montreal to take on the Canadians. Minnesota is in Colorado to take on the Avs. And it will be the nightcap in Vegas, a rematch of the Western Conference semifinals as the Nashville Predators take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Anaheim is at home to take on the St. Louis Blues. Vancouver is hosting the Carolina Hurricanes. And, of course, after tomorrow night's game, there will be one more set of games on the 26th. I mean, tomorrow night, uh, excuse me, Wednesday night's games are the last games before we hit the All-Star break and the All-Star game starting up on the 26th in beautiful San Jose, California, the 2019 East NHL All-Star Games presented by Honda. So looking forward to the All-Star Game happening this weekend in the NHL as you are listening to All NDL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Some news and notes from the NHL for you. A couple trades to pass along to you. Of course, uh, Miko Colslin signs a three-year deal with the Edmonton Oilers. Timo Teravainen signs a five-year deal. Vegas trades Brad Hunt and a 2019 six-round pick to the Minnesota Wild for a fifth-round pick. And like I said, you're listening to All NBL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit from the ice to the gridiron as we recap championship weekend. And boy, oh boy, do we have something to talk about tonight. And boy, oh boy, do we have something to talk about. Championship weekend in the NFL is one of my favorite things. The drama, the absolute pressure that we have in the NFL. And it proved it yet again. It proved it yet again that human error is totally, totally possible when it comes to sports. And I'm talking about, everybody's talking about it, and they all, everybody has their opinion about the situation. You know what I'm talking about. The LA Rams, New Orleans game. That was one of the, the best, second best games of, of the season. And it goes down a terrible call, the pass interference call, and it honestly cost New Orleans the game. It honestly cost New Orleans the game. But the thing is, I'm not blaming the officials. I'm blaming the Saints. I'm absolutely blaming the Saints, too. The opportunities that they had to put away New put away the Rams, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. But Breeze tries his way. They tie the game. They force overtime. And the Rams kick a field goal to win it. And now head to the Super Bowl. And Jared Goff, a tremendous game. 25 for 40, 297, one TD, one interception in the game. He also ran the ball three times for 10 yards, no TDs. 
C.J. Anderson, 16 carries for 44 yards, no TDs in the game. Cook, 7 carries, 7 catches for 170 yards, no TDs in the game. Reynolds, 4 catches, 74 yards, no TDs in the game. For New Orleans in the game, Drew Brees, 26 for 40, 249, 2 touchdowns, 1 INT. Mark Ingram, 9 carries for 31 yards, no TDs in the game. Kumora, 11 catches, 96 yards, no TDs. Tegan Jr., 3 catches, 58 yards, no TDs in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Both teams had 19 play, first down plays. The Rams, 6 for 16 on third down. New Orleans, 6 for 14. L.A. had 378 yards total offense, 301 through the air, 77 on the ground. New Orleans had 290 yards of total offense, 242 on in the air, 48 on the ground. The Rams had 70, 7 penalties for 64 yards. New Orleans, 3 penalties for 20 yards. Both teams turn over the football one time apiece. So you look at that game, and L.A., A fast team, a young team, a dominant team. A lot of people wanted to see a rematch between L.A. and Kansas City. And they were setting up for that way. Because Kansas City was playing New England. Now, in the in the L.A.-New Orleans game, you heard what I had, my pick prediction was last week. I'm not going to give you my Super Bowl pick. I'm not going to do that. But I'm like, you wait a week to possibly two weeks before we get the show back on the air. I'm going to tell you this. Kansas City looked good. Mahomes looked fantastic in this game. 16 for 31, 295, three touchdowns, no INTs. Kansas City looked dominant. Garrick Dieter looked great. The former Bowling Green wide receiver. Sammy Watkins, four catches for 114 yards, no TDs. Terry Hill, one catch, 42 yards, no TDs. Williams, 10 touches for 30 yards, one TD. Williams also had five catches for 66 yards and two TDs in the game. This game was tied up. New England. New England. All I have to say is New England. Tom Brady. 30 for 46, 348, 1 TD, 2 interceptions. Mitchell, 29 carries for 113 yards, 2 TDs and again. Burkhead, 12 carries, 41 yards, 2 TDs. Edelman, 7 carries for 99 yards, 7 catches for 99 yards, no TDs. Rob Gronkowski, Gronk, 6 catches for 74 yards, no TDs in the game. Mitchell, the game winner in overtime, to send Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to the Super Bowl. At the beginning of the year, I had Atlanta versus New England. And I had New England winning the whole damn thing this year. Seeing New England riding off to the sunset. I have my pick is at 50% right now. 50%. We'll see what happens. Breakdown looks like this. New England had 36 first down attempts to Kansas City. 18. New England 13 for 19 on third down. Kansas City 4 for 9. New England had 524 yards of total offense. 348 through the air. 176 on the ground. 
They had six penalties for 61 yards. They turned over the football twice. Kansas City, four for nine on third down. 290 yards of total offense, 249 through the year, 41 on the ground. That shows you how good the Patriot defense is. Four penalties for 28 yards. So like uh, like Anne-Marie says, let's take it back to 2002. So yes, it is a rematch of the Super Bowl from 2002. It was the last... Super Bowl that the Rams were in. And it was the first Super Bowl under the Tom Brady era with Bill Belichick. It was also the first Super Bowl after 9-11. So, and it was the first Super Bowl that the Patriots won that started the dynasty, which is a part of. So I think this is a good fitting end to New England and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I think this is going to be tremendous. We have at least a week to prep for this game. To look at everything. And we are. We are going to do a... We'll prep it for you. On all Andy Alford right here. So, stick with us. And, of course, yours truly will be breaking down and predicting the Super Bowl this year. And, um... I can't wait. I can't wait. We're going to have... We're going to try to get Luke uh, Lucas Sigerson as well as um, Nick the Money Man DeVera and his thoughts on it as well. Two, so uh, looking forward to that. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, and the song that you just heard with the Anchor Network app, you heard it with on the Anchor Network app, which was Amory's 2002. Because that was the last time that these two played for the Super Bowl. It's 2002, so and it's a really good song. I really like Amory's Amory stuff. So she's 2002, of course, but um. Let's dive in a little bit more. Have some NCAA football news to pass along to you, and it's regarding our Bowling Green State University Falcons. Bowling Green has lost a key piece, a strong key piece to this season. And for me, this one hurts. The Bowling Green State University Falcons lose defensive coordinator Carl Polini, who was the interim coach at the time. Um, he's going to go back to Youngstown State. So now Leffler is in search for a defensive coordinator. And all I say to Carl is thank you. Thank you for keeping the program afloat keeping the players that we had committed available. And um, I am just, uh, he was a good guy. He was great for the media, you know, down-to-earth guy. And um, I, I wish him the best of luck, the best of luck when it comes to his career at Youngstown State, going back to where he started coaching. Looking forward to seeing what he does. And, um, yeah, uh, that was some of the news. That was the only newsworthy note to pass along in college football. But, of course, we had today. It just broke about an hour ago. Of course, it is the newest names to the MLB 
season to the MLB and Cooperstown Hall of Fame, of course. We're talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame and the nominations have been announced and the Hall of Fame inductees are as follows. Mike Mussina, who played with the New York Yankees as well as in Baltimore and in Boston. He is going to be going to Cooperstown this upcoming year. Edgar Martinez, who played with the Seattle Mariners. Tremendous player going into the Hall of Fame. But the big one, the two big ones are 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 star worthy. One is a man who absolutely was dominant. Struggled when he was in his early years with the Toronto Blue Jays. Went down to Double A and worked on his pitching. Came back up. Was dominant ever since. He also he was with the Philadelphia Phillies for a long for a period of time. Helped them to the to the World Series. Pitched a no hitter against the Reds. As well as pitched two no hitters in the same year, one with against the Marlins and the one against the Reds in the in the divisional playoffs. And the late Roy Holiday goes into the Hall of Fame, a well deserved honor for him and for his family, and tremendous to see, tremendous to see, the committee take care of that. But the big one is this. Now coming into the game. Number 42. Mariano Rivera. Number 42. Mo is going into the Hall of Fame. Yes, folks. Mariano Rivera, the closeout pitcher himself. The last player to wear number 42 in MLB. Before they officially retired it league-wide. Mo is going in as a Yankee. He played 19 years with the with the pinstripes, of course. Lights out pitching. Had a cutter that you could not believe that would make you make you bend at your knees. One of the best pitchers out there. One of the closing best pitchers. But you know, a couple memories for me for Mariano. One was the when the Yankees got their first their second win in the World Series. And the other was in 2004 when Mariano, uh, excuse me, in 2002 when Mariano in the ninth inning blew it and gave the Diamondbacks the World Series championship over the New York Yankees. And the Yankees needed that because 9-11 happened at that time in 2001. Um, but, you know, that will be a memory, you know, that will be a bad memory for Mariano for me. But he is one of those pitchers that I will be talking about to my kids and he is a tremendous face for for the New York Yankee franchise. It's great to see him going into Cooperstown, and I am so grateful to watch, be able to watch this guy perform. And um, yeah, he is just a tremendous player, and uh, he is well deserved. He got one hundred percent, one hundred percent of the vote. That is a unanimous unanimous vote. That has never happened in the history of the Baseball Hall of Fame inductions. Never happened. And here's the kicker, too. The, on the players on the outside looking in, Roger Clemens at 59.3%. 
You have Barry Bonds at 59.2%. You also had you also had as well as you also had Omar Vizquel with 37%. Absolutely Absolutely amazing. Kurt Schilling with 60.9% of the votes. Larry Walker. Larry Walker at 54.6%. Fred McGriff, 39.8%. You also had... Like I said, Omar Vizquel at 42.8%. Manny Ramirez at 22.8%. Jeff Kent, 18.1%. Scott Rowland, 17.2%. And Sammy Zosa gets at 8.5%. Andrew Jones, 7.5%. Here's the people that are going to be kicked out of the ballot. Michael Young, Lance Berkman, Mihail Tejada, Roy Oswald, Placido Polanco, Rick Ankiel, Jason Bay, Freddie Garcia, Half Travis Hafner, Derek Lowe, Kevin Euclid, all bumped from the Hall of Fame list. But to see these four guys go in, dominating hitting and dominating pitching going into Cooperstown, looking forward to that day in June to see pinstripes as well as as well as Philly Red in Cooperstown. As you're a lot listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here. On the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. Let's hit the hard court and let's talk a little college basketball. Let's hit the hard court. Of course, Bowling Green getting into action tonight as uh, Bowling Green continuing on their hot pace, beating Western Michigan on Saturday afternoon by a score of 79-48 to in the men's side. Fry, 14 points. For Bowling Green, he was 5 for 12 from three-point lane, seven rebounds in the game. For Western Michigan, Duggan, eight points, four for 11, three-point range, nine rebounds in the game for them. So BG will get back onto the hard court this upcoming week. And BG looks really good. They look dominant. Absolutely dominant. Absolutely dominant. And Euchre's got his crew working on all cylinders right now. Working on all cylinders. He knows what to do. Fry is one of those key pieces for BG. One of the key pieces for Bowling Green. And right now... Like I said, Bowling Green running on all cylinders right now. Well, Buffalo is one of those teams that you you have to watch out for because they're they're one of those that you know you don't know what's going to happen. BG, like I said, of course tonight we'll play Eastern Michigan seven o'clock tip. That's getting ready to go underway right now. And 
at Eastern Michigan. Then BG then heads over to Oxford to take on Miami of Ohio on Saturday. That is a 3.30 afternoon tip-off. And the standings in the Mid-American Conference look like this. Right now in first place in the Mid-American Conference in the East bracket right now is, at this time right now, is Bowling Green. Actually, Buffalo is in front right now at 5-0. Bowling Green 5-0 as well, too. Kent uh, Bowling Green's a half game out of first place. Kent State is 4-2 in conference play. 3-3 three three overall is the Akron Zips. 2-4 is my is Ohio. And Miami of Ohio is also 2-4. Overall, BG is 14 and excuse me, 13 and 5. Buffalo is 17 and 1 in first place. Kent State 15 and 4. Akron 11 and 8. Ohio 10 and 8. And Miami of Ohio is 10 and 9. In the West, it is the Northern Illinois Huskies. Overall in conference plays are 3 and 2. Toledo is 3 and 3. Central Michigan is 3 and 3. Eastern Michigan 2 and 4. Ball State 2 and 4. And Western Michigan is 0 and 6 in conference play. Overall, NIU is 10 and 8. Toledo is 15 and 4. Central Michigan is 14 and 5. Eastern Michigan 8 and 11. Ball State 11 and 8. And Western Michigan is 8 and 13. Top 25 looks like this in the college basketball ranking. Of course, with Duke losing the game the other night to Syracuse to Jim Beheim, top 25 looks like this. It is Tennessee in first place at 16 and 1. Duke is in second at 15 and 2. Virginia is 16 and 1. Gonzaga is 18 and 2. Michigan with their loss against Wisconsin this past Saturday is now fifth at 17 and 1. Michigan State is 16 and 2. Nevada 18 and 1. Kentucky is 14 and 3. Kansas is 15 and 3. Virginia Tech is 15 and 2. Roy Williams and his Tar Heels are 14 and 4. Marquette is 16 and 3. Maryland 16 and 3. Texas Tech is 15 and 3. Buffalo is 17 and 1 at 15. Uh, Auburn 13 and 4. Houston is 18 and 1. Villanova is 14 and 4. Iowa is 16 and 3. Mississippi is 14 and 3. NC State is 15 and 3 at 21. It's also Mississippi State at 22 at 14 and 3. Louisville is 13 and 5 at 23. Iowa State is 14 and 4 at tw- number 24 and at number 25 is LSU at 14 and 3. Florida State is 135 points in for first place votes. And here's the kicker. Florida State drops out. Oklahoma drops. And Indiana drops as well. Top 25 games looks like this. Duke is in Pittsburgh tonight. Wake Forest is on the road to play Virginia. Alabama is at home to take on Ole Miss. Auburn is at South Carolina. Michigan will try to get back on the winning page. They'll battle the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. Kentucky and John Calipari will take on Mississippi State. That's 8 versus 22. Texas Tech, 14th rank, will take on Kansas State. And Villanova will travel to Butler to take on the Bulldogs. So that is your college basketball feed. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you listen to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's head to the final segment of the show, and that is time for Andy Rants. So it's now time for Andy Rants. And first of all, again, I'd like to say thank you 
from the bottom of my heart for all the support that you have given us right here on the All Andy Alford Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this show for you guys and to present you with all this material and all the, you know, we've got a lot of fun things in store for the show. First and foremost, a little housekeeping, of course. Looking forward to hopefully getting the interview done this upcoming weekend with the one and only, the voice himself, Mr. Everett Fitzhugh. Getting, hopefully getting a chance to get sit down with him for a brief interview talking about the ECHL, about the Cyclones, about Bowling Green, reminiscing some of the days back in the day, as well as talking about hockey itself. I'm looking forward to that. And also, this upcoming Thursday, we will be in Detroit for the North American International Auto Show, of course. And we will be touring the auto show. I'll be taking some video, some Facebook Live as well, too. Uh, so follow me on Facebook at Andy Alford. And um, hopefully I'm looking to get an interview with uh, with uh, Destiny Driftmeyer. She is a uh, she works for Merhinda. Uh, she also is a good friend of mine. She graduated from the Toledo School for the Arts. I'm hopefully get a chance to speak with her for a little bit, talk about Merhinda products, as well as talk about her modeling career, as well as talking to some of the Buick representatives, as well as the Chevy representatives, because... Of course, a good place to buy a car is there. Toyota, Chevrolet, and Scion in my in the good city of Bowling Green, Ohio. Definitely check out Thank Thayer in Bowling Green, of course. So it's time for Andy Rance tonight, of course. And last night at the ECHL All-Star Game, it was announced, and yours truly found out a week before, and I wanted to pass it on the show, but I didn't have the capability to do it. But it was officially announced yesterday that the ECHL, that the Toledo Walleye and the ECHL will be going back outside again in 2020, December of 2020. The Toledo Walleye Winterfest returns. Okay, looking forward to it. I love outdoor games. I really do. But where we're playing this one is a little bit different for me. We're going to be playing again at 5th, 3rd Field. Now, don't get me wrong. The last, the last one that we had was absolutely tremendous. Great response by the community. Great response by the league. And by, by, by the, by everybody. It was fantastic to see the responses that we got. People coming in all out of town to come and watch these games. It was absolutely fantastic. So we're doing it again in 2020 of next year. Not this year. Next year. 2020. Okay, so we're two years out from it. You know, we're two years out from it. It looks like it's going to probably fall between Christmas and New Year's. Okay, now here's my here's my dilemma. Why is it fifth third field again? I do like the fact that we could pl- that the Mud Hens and the Walleye are together. But with the Mud Hens 
with the walleye, they've got to think big. They've got to break an attendance record. And I thought about this long and hard when they announced, when I saw it last week, that they were going to do the Winterfest for 2020. I thought about this long and hard. About the situation and what would be best for for this league, for this town, for this team, for the community. And it was plain and simple for me. Why can't we play the Winterfest and the outdoor game at a bigger venue than 5th 3rd? True, it will be 10,000 plus in the building to see an ECHL game. But think about this, folks. Think about this. Where can we play in a bigger venue that would be convenient for everybody that could that gives you good views and won't be obstruction? I'll tell you where. You play at the University of Toledo. And you play at the Glass Bowl. Now, here's how I, why I say this. The Glass Bowl seats 47,000. They could break an ECHL record with the most attendance in an ECHL game at the 47,000. Make a new record for the most attendance in an ECHL outdoor game. Okay? Number three. The views at the Glass Bowl is a 360. True, it is a horseshoe on the one end zone where the player, the UT players come out of. But think about this. Think about this really quickly. A baseball diamond. The only good spots are along the lines or behind the plate. For a hockey game, the only best views, if you're playing in a baseball stadium, will be in the upper levels because you'll be able to see the play develop. Where if you put it at the glass bowl, it's a 360 degree. Everybody gets to see everything. You have an upper level. You also have plenty of suites that are available for play, for the walleye and the University of Toledo to make money off of. And here is a key thing. This past year, the University of Toledo has gotten a D2 hockey team. To grow and expand that team by putting an outdoor game at the Glass Bowl would be a fantastic idea. Absolutely fantastic idea. Sure, this upcoming this upcoming 2019 in October, the Icebreaker Challenge will be happening at the Huntington Center with the BGSU Falcons, Western Michigan Broncos, Ohio State, and RIT playing. But putting the UT hockey team on an outdoor rink at their own building would A, bring bring the students, bring students back in. B, give the program a shot in the arm, which would help it out. And C, it would help the it would help the community out by expanding the game. True, they already have a list of some upcoming events for the 2020 year, including a New Year's Eve party on the ice 
at Fifth Third Field. But an outdoor game at the Glass Bowl seems right because it would fill, fill the arena. It would fill up the stadium, and it would be a great idea. You wouldn't have to change the colors of the situation because the Wally are, are yellow and blue, and so are the Rockets, midnight blue and gold. You have a bigger stadium with with three with two video scoreboards, two video scoreboards, an honest to God operation that can that can work. Now, I understand it's a money grab. For the for the walleye, but as fans, where do you want the all the winter fest to be at? I'm posting this question on my Twitter account. We already posted it last night at midnight. Where do you want winter fest? Where should the walleye play their outdoor game? Where should they play? And it's pretty surprising. I gave you three options. Where should the Walleye play their next outdoor game? Fifth Third Field, of course. The University of Toledo. Or Bowling Green State University. Hey, BG's got a beautiful stadium. And the BGSU hockey team is nationally ranked. You could put the Falcon hockey team there. And play a couple outdoor games. They did it when they played at Fifth Third Field. A couple seasons ago. So. The poll question is up. For the next six days. What's your reaction on it? Follow me on Twitter. It's at AllAndyElford. Scroll down. And you'll find the Twitter. Where should the walleye play their next outdoor game? And right now. Fifth or Fields leading. With 42% of the vote. The University of Toledo at 25%. And BGSU at 33%. So get to the poll. And we'll give you the results next week on all Andy Alford. So for me, I, I like an outdoor game. But I, I, I just don't like it anymore at Fifth Third Field. Let's change it up. Let's break, let's break an attendance record. Let's get it done. But we've already made the decision they're going to play at Fifth Third Field. So, we'll see. And that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network. I want to thank you again for tuning into the program. Follow us on Twitter. We do shows every Tuesday right here on the Anchor Network. Also, follow me on Facebook for this upcoming Thursday for the Detroit North American International Auto Show. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing all the new cars and all the new features this upcoming year as well and uh yeah i'm looking forward to that with you guys as well so that's gonna wrap it up for all andy alford tonight and until next tuesday when we will recap the nhl all-star weekend as well as break down the blue break down the walleye as well as hopefully get that interview in with the voice himself mr ever fits you as well as diving in a little bit to the nfl in the Super Bowl, you'll hear my prediction next week for who I think is going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to have you happy and wait a week. But until then, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. 
keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, the Jackets. Go Jackets! Walleye. Go Cyclones. Go Falcons. And go Pats, go. And congratulations, Hall of Famers. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great evening, everybody. I'll talk to you guys next week for another edition of All Andy Offer right here on the Anchor Network. And I love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Offer Network, powered by Anchor.